0: Welcome back. So listeners, I have a question for you. How frequently are you hearing a prospective buyer who also has a home to sell say to you, I would happily list my house with you, but I have no place to move to. Isn't that the most annoying objection you've ever heard? I mean, there's two real estate transactions wrapped up in one simple objection. What we're going to be focusing on today and tomorrow is we're going to be focusing on how to and effectively overcome or coach the seller and the buyer, same person, right? Uh, into moving forward, and we're going to give you some options, and we're going to give you some solutions. We're going to give you a plan. That is what the focus of today's and tomorrow's podcast is. So, Julie, I have a question for you. When you were writing this outline mm-hmm. on our plane ride yesterday back from Miami, yes, <laughs> we went to an amazing real estate event put on by our EXP partner C5 in Miami uh twelve or thirteen hundred agents and it was extraordinary, all focused mm-hmm. on business planning and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, so those of you who are in Miami who we uh, got to meet up with, um, we are thinking about you and we had a great time, hopefully you did as well. It's awesome. But one of the big objections they were hearing as well, and Same. we did and we did talk about this was this exact so that must have been where you got the motivation for write this series.
1: Yes. And of course we're hearing about this from lots of coaching clients all over the country and Canada. And again, it is that objection, I would sell, but where would I go? Which is translated by your ears as, I would list with you, but what would I buy? So for most real estate professionals, that's the end of the conversation, simultaneously ending the possibility of taking a new listing, as well as facilitating that buyer side. After all, nationwide inventory is still extremely low, even with the modest uptick, upticks of inventory that we've been seeing for the past few weeks. I'm encouraged by that, but we're still extremely low in inventory. So we're at least a million listings shy of a balanced market. So the chances of us all waking up and, you know, the real estate uh, raining all these listings on us, we're so far away from that. So this is going to be the story looking for inventory. So when you hear, I would sell, but where am I going to go? Don't just answer with the typical response, yep, there's really nothing on the market. I mean, everything in the MLS is already pending. I'll put you in touch with my search widget and we'll watch for something to pop up together. Well, that's one method of finding something for your would-be sellers who also want to buy, but you can't end the conversation there and expect to actually do any business this year.
0: So the mindset shift, hopefully, uh, we're hoping that you guys get away, uh, get, get away with, listen, I need more caffeine. Don't I? <laughs> right. The mindset shift that we're hoping that you take from today's show is that when you hear that objection, not to uh, essentially... Um, Wimp out effectively, but also then to pivot the conversation and focus on getting the listing. Because here's the the problem. If you found them a house that they wanted to buy and uh, they couldn't close because they have to sell their current home, You're thinking, well, their current home will sell right away. Well, what if it doesn't? So in other words, you've spent all your energy trying to help them find a home. And let's say you find them a home. They're in contract. Let's say the seller's willing to take a home sale contingency or let's say they weren't, but it's contingent on financing and the financing was contingent on home sale. You guys get it? So regardless, they are not going to be necessarily close on the new home that you spent all the effort trying to help them buy unless they sold their current home. So what you've got to realize is, and I'm speaking to all of you, most of you have been in the business for less than 15 years. Like we have, you know, I'm guessing probably at least 95% of you have not been in the business for more than maybe even five years that are listening right now. That's probably right. And that's just, you you know, that's basically what the real estate industry is. So if you've only sold in one kind of market, You're not going to necessarily know a lot of the things that we're exposing you to as far as how to approach these problems. Now, that gives you especially, you know, I would sell, but, you know, where will I go? When you know how to overcome that, you're going to have an unfair advantage in the marketplace because you're going to be speaking with, you know, buyers, let's say – who the other agents treated as buyers and what you're going to do is you're going to follow our pre-qualification script when they show up in your life you know appearing as a buyer you're going to then you learn quickly that they have a home to sell and then you're going to pivot and focus on what the real problem is is getting their home sold
1: that's exactly right so your mission here is to not end the conversation with yep let me put you in my drip system and we'll wait for something to pop up it is to continue the conversation and present some options because just like you where your go-to is, well, let's just wait for the next thing to come up and then we'll recalibrate. Most of your would-be sellers slash buyers are in the same mindset you are. They don't have a lot of options coming to the top of their mind. They haven't really thought about it other than the traditional way of selling and then buying or buying and then selling.
0: And this is a real great example of where knowing what to say and how to say it, in other words, uh, being scripted or taking a very professional approach, is going to give you an unfair advantage in the marketplace.
1: 100%. So speaking of that, because we are going to get into some scripting and some detail here, how can they find the notes?
0: Oh, that's right. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So you can tell Julie is fully caffeinated, and yours truly is not. (laughs) So down below in the show description, whether you're on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, doesn't matter where, All of our show notes appear. Sometimes iTunes will uh, clip the notes. And if you're looking for all the notes, if they're clipped, then you can pop over to our main website, timandjulieharris.com, and all of our notes are there. And when you're there, you're also going to see a link so that you can uh, join Premier Coaching. So if you like this podcast, which we know literally hundreds of thousands of you do, last year we had 7 million agents download, stream, And watch on YouTube our podcast. So, or at least I should say, there were seven million download streams and views of our podcast last year. So that tells me that there's a lot of you that are ready to go to the next level with your real estate careers. And you're realizing that what worked in the past market may work in this market, but not as well as it did. So the challenge you're going to have to really set yourself up for is realizing that yes, maybe the stuff that you were doing before does work, but it doesn't work as well. And so you're going to have to adjust your approach to the real estate business so that you can make the most of what this market has to offer. And that is, you know, you can't stay in one you can't be complacent about your lead generation, your approach to real estate You in life in general, by the way. You always have to be improving. And if you stop, then guess what's going to happen? The market. Um, your and, business will stop. Exactly. The market will pass you by. And then, and some of you are in this mental, emotional state where you're starting to doubt yourselves. And I know this because you email me and you ask for help uh, or, or you message us. But, you know, the reality of it is, is there's probably nothing. I can't guarantee you, but there's probably nothing wrong with you. You just simply need to adjust your approach to the real estate business, and uh, frankly, get in flow with what this new market is demanding, with the new buyers, and the new you know, everything has changed. Everything's uh, changing. So when you reprogram and allow yourself to load new, you know, new iOS, new operating system, you're going to soon discover that not only do you have what it takes, but you have what it takes because of this changing market more than you ever thought you possibly could. That's what Premier Coaching is all about. So for those of you who are ready to go to the next level in your lives and certainly your real estate businesses, we've made it very easy for you. Scroll down below and click the link to join Premier Coaching. It is free for the first 30 days. Um, And yes, that does include a uh, daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris certified coaches. So please scroll down below, look at the show notes, read along with us, and also click the link to join Premier Coaching. Or if you just want to go to premiercoaching.com, premiercoaching.com. You can join as well.
1: All right, perfect. Thanks for reminding them about that. And again, we're going to talk about 10 solutions. This is a two part series today and tomorrow podcast. Uh, we're talking about 10 solutions that go beyond waiting and watching for magic inventory to arise. Learn how to discuss each one so you can help your would be sellers find success in this inventory starved market. The objection, I would sell, but where would I go? That's not going away anytime soon. So you might as well learn how to deal with it in, again, at least 10 different ways. So, number one, is number one for a reason because it's actually my favorite and I think you probably will agree, excuse me, which is consider building a home instead of chasing after the scarce resale inventory. There are several advantages to this option. First, many builders are buying down interest rates using their in-house financing. Builders are closing loans in the four and a half to five and a half percent range currently and that's better than the prevailing rate on a resale, isn't it? So next, the house is new. Well, that's great for them. No rehab for your buyers and no inspection worries for you. Your client can get their home on the market a couple of months before completion of what they're building and not have to move twice. You can completely time this out. And finally, when your client builds, they're not having to compete in a bidding war. 30% of available homes right now are new construction. So if you can't find it in your MLS, ask your Harris Certified Coach how and where To find the new construction, where is it in your town? There's several different methods, and we have done dedicated podcasts to that.
0: Well, it's a huge focus of our coaching business because of the fact that new construction really is going to lead the way. 30%. Uh, Yeah, it's huge. I mean, we're predicting that there's going to be a million more real estate transactions that are going to happen uh, this year. um, And a lot of it's going to come from new construction. It is also worth mentioning. Uh, for those of you who are you know, worried about commissions when it comes to new construction, you'll be happy to hear that it's, it's common for new builders to pay a premium commission on the buyer side transaction, meaning at least 3% and sometimes even more. So do keep that in mind.
1: That's right. I've seen as high as 6% from some of the builders on inventory homes that they're trying to move so that they can get, especially at the end of a neighborhood build out, because they want to go to the next phase. And remember, they're getting financing as well, so they want to move inventory just as much as you do.
0: I want to really drill down on what you said. 6% buyer side commission from new construction. Okay, hopefully we have your attention. Point number two, (laughs) Julie.
1: If you don't think it's in your market, you need to look harder. Okay, point number two. Again, we're dealing with I would sell, but where would I go? Option number two, consider buying first, closing, and then listing the previous home. Don't assume that your buyer slash seller prospects won't or can't utilize this option. They may have a down payment saved that isn't their home equity. They may be able to refinance, pull some equity out for a down payment and keep the old house. They're, you know, you don't know if you don't ask. They might even use a bridge loan to borrow their equity, close on the next home, and then sell the old one.
0: They could also, something else, Julie, if they do have a stock market portfolio, they could borrow right. against the stock market portfolio. Not sell their equities, but borrow against it. Mm-hmm. So do you know what Julie is saying is going to be, frankly, the way that most of your existing homeowners are going to want to play it because of the fact that they're going to have a ton of equity in their existing homes. And they're going to easily qualify for, say, for example, owning two homes at once. Mm -hmm. And remember, the interest rate on their present home was probably, you know, 3%. So... To get them to financially qualify for the double payment won't be a, you know, won't be an issue. Julie's first thing that she said here is really what matters the most. Don't assume your buyer-seller prospects won't or can't utilize this because many of you are going to automatically assume they're not gonna want to run the risk of owning two homes at once. Leave that option to them and then send them over to your lender who actually knows how to do these types of deals.
1: That's right. So the potential flaw in thinking is a lot of us think, well, gosh. I wouldn't be comfortable with that, would you? Do you want to have two mortgage payments? Oh, I don't want to have that. Well, you don't know if you don't ask and it's not your money, so it's up to them to find out and at least present the option before you rule it out
0: well I mean Julie would you tell them to present the option or would you rather have them talk to a loan officer who knows how to present the well, option well
1: certainly you would present the idea and then the loan officer takes it the rest of the way
0: I'll, I'm going to roll that back just ever so slightly I'll suggest what you guys have is a really great loan officer and leave the loan officer to yes. do the lending and you just focus on helping them buy or sell real estate mm-hmm. don't start beca- some of you are both so you know that's right. different Adjust but for a vast limit. majority of you your chances are unless you're really, really good at explaining the lending options, you're going to say something wrong, and it's going to work against you. So do have, and we always, you know, we've told you guys this for years. You always want to have three lenders. Um, you want to have a lender that works in the, you know, normal price range, whatever that is for your market. That lender is going to be an FHA. They're going to know how to do the government loans. They're going to know about all the different little deals that happen sometimes through the VA or through the FDA. Is it FDA? Yeah, whatever it is. USAA, all those You guys get it. So that's going to be that lender. And then your middle range lender is going to be, and that's going to be where you put a lot of your first time buyers, frankly, with that guy. The middle one is going to be somebody who probably is going to be a move up buyer. They've done a deal before.
1: Conventional 20% down standard issue stuff.
0: Right. Try to match your lender with the, the demographic of your bar or of your clients. So if you're living like where Julie and I sold real estate in that middle segment, it would have been people typically with kids and, you know, we working two jobs, probably Moving living for in... a school district. Exactly. Yeah. And so we found a lender that was a good match for those types of people because the lender also had, you know, two kids and, you know, this school district, that type of thing. And then you want to have a lender that's going to work in the upper ends. This is somebody that has uh, memberships at all the golf courses, <laughs> you know, somebody who's hard to, you know, that, that kind of level, they, you want to have someone who's feel that, will feel comfortable working with your really high-end borrowers. Because if you try to put a high-end borrower, and I want you to think about this, you come across a borrower who wants to buy something at the very top of your market, and they need to get a loan, and you put them with the first lender or the second lender, how is that going to reflect on you? That first lender is not going to have, probably, frankly, the skill set to make that upper-end borrower feel comfortable doing a loan through them, and you're probably going to lose that buyer. You guys get it?
1: Well, and they each have different loan products, too, that are more appropriate to that type of client.
0: Well, to Julie's point, you're going to find that there's different, there's called portfolio loans. And depending on your market, there might be one or two or three local banks, sometimes they're credit unions, that are actually loaning their own money and keeping the loan Um, And keeping the mortgage and you're going to have to explore that and that's where a lot of the upper end borrowers go or they'll again like if they have a big stock market portfolio if you're out in Silicon Valley and someone's got a big huge amount of stock from some startup they can borrow against that or they can get a loan against that from you know whoever they're uh, you know maybe it's Goldman Sachs or somebody else. So you have to know how to go about pre-qualifying the lenders that you're going to send your leads to and then send your leads to those lenders. And then guess what happens? That lender will most likely send you business back.
1: Which is what we all want. So thank you for clarifying that because that is an important piece that uh, not everybody considers. So again, we're talking about at least consider buying first, closing on that, and then listing the previous home next. The advantage is your client can make a non-contingent offer that makes them more competitive. They can secure their next home, get their move going, And then deal with their old house later. So, again to Tim's point, make sure that you know lenders who offer different types of loan products that would work in that scenario. And keep in mind, too, not everybody's gonna need to borrow from their equity. You you said other assets, there's a lot of different ways that you can buy first and deal with the old house second. Maybe they just wanna keep it as a rental. That's pretty common right now. Okay, so. Option number three,
0: and if they do want to keep it as a rental, make sure that they know that you can help get the property leased out. Even if you don't want to manage it, you could put it with a manager. Mm-hmm. Don't let that get by you. You know, keep don't, the relationship. You got to present the option. Well, you could buy without the sale. Hopefully, you're opening your minds to all of this. You could, um, you know, maybe they own the home outright. Maybe their existing home there's no mortgage on it. You got to know all these things so that you don't get essentially, you know, knocked out of your shoes when they say, well, I would buy, but there's nothing for sale, nothing for sale. Because ultimately where all this goes is when you have a listing, when they list their house with you, you're probably going to sell that house yourself. You're then going to get more listings. You, the problem with working strictly with buyers is it's one sale and then you're done. Generally speaking, buyers will over time, if you did a great job, send you referrals, but nothing like a listing. When you have a listing, neighbors are going to see the sign. They're going to see the sold sign. You're going to get more business. You're, generally speaking, going to sell at least three or four houses from that one listing if you're actually proactive with generating more business, not so on the buyer side.
1: 100%. We know because we lived that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yes, and uh, refer to many podcasts about how to generate off of your listings. All right. Way number three, consider selling first, selling first renting for a while and taking time to look for the right home the advantage here is that the seller has cashed out their equity and is ready to pounce on the right home but without the pressure of organizing closing and possession dates who are your go-to leasing agents Uh, to tim's point it should be you but if that's not in your wheelhouse make sure that you've got a partner on that consider both traditional rentals short-term vacation rentals that might consider a longer term lease as well as apartment complexes many have some really great amenities that could work for short to longer term lease while you help your client find the right home to buy.
0: And by the way, your client's current home, if they wanna, you know, maybe it makes all kinds of sense them to make it into a short term rental VRBO type thing. You know, we were just in Miami, as I said. And yeah, I mean, that's going to be a smart thing for you to at least present to your these types of clients. And you might be able to find after doing a little bit of homework inside, say, for example, VRBO.com, the amount of money that they can make from that house as a, or, you know, condo or whatever as a short term rental Mm -hmm. will completely blow their minds and make it real, make them realize that, that, frankly, they're going to be able to spend more money on the, uh, you know, the up leg, what they're going to buy than they otherwise would have because their cash flow is going to increase thanks to you because you've shown them how they can actually use short-term rentals. And there is there are lots of uh, PM companies that will do short-term rental stuff for you. I wouldn't suggest to any of you, if you're not doing it already, get into that business because there's a lot of work.
1: That's true. And there's, there's sort of a cousin to that that you and I have done from time to time. And it, you know, when you talk about VRBO, vacation rental by owner, for those of you who don't know, an Airbnb, those types of scenarios for a short term, a lot of you think that that's not gonna work unless you're in a resort market or you're on the coast or you're in Vegas or something like that. With our very normal rentals in Columbus, Ohio, which by no terms is a vacation market, <laughs> um, sometimes yep. what we have done, because there, there is a lack of short term house rental supply, is that we've done two and three month leases for people who are in this exact scenario They've already sold their house. They don't know where they're going. They don't want the pressure of having to find something in 22 seconds. So we lease it to them for two or three months. That gives them breathing room. They can extend for a month if they want to. You make a little bit more on a short-term lease than you would normally. So just because you're in a, quote, normal town does not necessarily mean that you can't use this option. Okay, point number four. I would sell, but where am I going to go? Consider getting the seller's home on the market right now, but make the acceptance of an offer contingent on seller finding suitable housing. This way they don't have to move right away. The buyer will probably want a specific time frame, but you can usually get 90 to 120 days to secure the next home for your seller. Many buyers in today's market are just anxious to find the right home, remember low inventory, and will be flexible, <clears throat> excuse me, flexible with the seller's situation. Remember, it's still a seller's market. The advantage to your client is they won't have to move twice, and you've negotiated for them enough time to look for the next place. Now
0: this won't work if it's a first-time homebuyer type situation because a lot of times the lenders, uh, you know, won't allow that to happen. But depends pretty... on
1: the lender. Sometimes they can get 60 days without having a problem, um, and a lot of you know that goes back to the borrower scenario and defer to your lender because if it's like an FHA borrower with 3% down, they're going to have more strict rules than somebody who just put 30% down. And all the ratios are right and everything else. So just check your facts on that. But you can usually get, you know, at least some amount of time. And the other time, the other... Uh, type of doing the same scenario is not closing right away, but instead punching out a longer um, pending time. That's how you can buy some more that's time. That's
0: smart. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes. So basically make the closing happen. Oh, no, 60 no, no. no. You meant not punching out the amount of time that they keep, keep the, the house days. after the closing. You're saying just make the closing happen. Exactly. I'll, I'll suggest John
1: Walkinshaw in Canada is an expert at that. He, he makes them sometimes three or four months out so that you don't have to do this, you just have a longer pending time.
0: So if you're in a marketplace, let's say you're working in a first-time home buyer uh, marketplace or you have a lot of first-time home sellers or whatever, and the houses are priced in such a way that it would make sense for you to buy one as a rental property. Julie and I did that quite a bit when we were selling real estate. I would strongly encourage you guys to explore. We have a guaranteed home sale program that we teach all you guys how to do in premier coaching, but you could hypothetically, am I stepping on one of your points for tomorrow?
1: But that's oh, okay. am I really? That's
0: okay. Oh, sorry about that. It's a, it's a cliffhanger. Oh
1: it's a cliffhanger.
0: <laughs> oh, it's a cliffhanger. Right. No more information for you. <laughs> Julie's gave me the stick. Hi. All right, we don't guys. want
1: to fire hose them. We gave them, you know, uh, four things to chew on. Really. We gave them bonus points with what we added on. Um, so get the notes You guys need to be able to speak fluently about this. To your point, Tim, earlier, I I appreciate what you said about don't try to be the lender. Just present the option, and then the lender can give them some different financial options. But remember, our point of today's podcast and tomorrow is to not let the conversation end with, oh, I can't find anything right now. It's not in the MLS. It's not popping up. I can't find it online. We'll just have to wait. Don't end it with we're just going to wait.
0: Yeah, 100%. So listen, guys, thank you for keeping this number one listened to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Please do remember to like and subscribe to uh, the show, whether you're on YouTube or iTunes. It certainly does help us and we certainly appreciate it. And if you don't mind, go ahead and share this podcast or if you're watching us on YouTube, this video with other agents. It does indeed help us to be in alignment with our highest and truest purpose, which is being of service to all of you. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on tomorrow's show with part two.